Hi, I'm Pat Foran. Welcome to Get Labeled Indie Music Roadmap, a podcast for working indie artists, aspiring music artists, and fans. Each week, I interview a different guest who has a proven track record in the biz or related field. I talk with producers, promoters, audio engineers, managers, songwriters, bands, social media experts, veteran and novice artists too, about their experiences and recommendations. I'll get answers to some of the hows and whys of today's music business, which you will find invaluable in navigating the chaotic world of today's music industry. Today's guest is Greg Ferriola and TJ Peterson of the Musician Indie Coalition. Let's get going. How's it going? Hey, it's good to see you. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> How are you guys enjoying your spring so far? <laughs> day one was okay <laughs> it's a little bit warmer i i uh i enjoyed having my windows open for a brief moment or two and uh it was good <laughs> yeah, it's been crazy. Forward. yeah it was like warm right over the winter and then it gets close to spring and then wham you know we get hit with this cold snap yeah <laughs> yeah it's my my first spring out in the country and uh you know, after living in the city for so long and I didn't, I didn't realize that I have allergies, but apparently I do. So <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, good thing that you're just living there forever now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for stopping by today. And um, I guess we've been talking about, I was talking with Greg about getting together for a couple of months. And um, so I was looking forward to this talking with you guys. Um, so who would like to start with your, uh, background? Like, how did you get into music? When did you first realize that you were interested in music? Yeah. Um, I'll start, I guess. Um, cause I'm usually the talker. <laughs> 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 um, uh, I got started in music, you know, at a young age. Um, but it wasn't really until after college that I decided that I wanted to do like actual music for a living. Um, and I started then to do songwriting. Um, and through that over time, I was actually connected with my first music mentor, um, Ann Ruckert, um, which I believe you, you know, and, uh, she, uh, she really gave me the direction I needed in my career at the time. Cause I had at that moment really been thinking like, okay, I need to write music, get it out there, get discovered. And she just, no, this is how you actually go about building a career. Um, so she really gave me direction in a period of my life where I needed it. Um, and she, through that, got me connected um, working for Nile. Um, and that's kind of really how I got my into working in to the music industry. And Nile is Nile Rogers, right? Nile Rogers. Yes, sorry, I should have uh, expanded. <laughs> Nile Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> I know you probably don't like throwing that out there all the time, you know. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, we typically, it's not something I typically, I, I usually, or TJ, I usually feel comfortable broadcasting, I think, just because we worked, we started off working both of us um, as personal assistants. So we're used to very much keeping a low key on stuff. Um, but it is our, the big bulk of our music industry, um, you know, background. When I when I was working for him, I did like saying it to people only because it's fun to f figure out who knows who he is and who doesn't. You know, what I mean, it's like you kind of if they know who he is, you know, you're, you're going to connect with them on some level. So it, it's like kind of nice little litmus test when you're meeting people. Yeah. Um. So, uh, TJ, how did you where, where did where did you start with music or? Um, I started with music young. I, I was in bands in in like middle school and high school and college. So I've always been in a band, always playing music live and stuff like that, uh, singing and writing. And I play guitar. Um, and uh, and then yeah, I got I got started as an intern uh, at Niles Production Company, and um, met Greg there. Um, kind of as he was on his way over to the record label of Niles, he kind of graduated the intern, <laughs> the, you know, that path, you know, he, the production company is brutal. So it was, he was like ready to get out as, as I was after a couple of years. And um, so there we were, you know, doing shows, running travel for, for Sheik and, and Nile and um, that sort of thing, doing, you know, doing uh, hospitality when he does shows with other artists and that kind of thing. And, um, and then, yeah, we moved over to his record label that, um, uniquely enough, uh, focus on video game soundtracks. Um, video games were another, uh, interest of mine. So I kind of just walked in there 
there's a bunch of old dogs from the record industry working over there. And I was like the only one that ever played a video game. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> hey, I've played nice. my fair share of games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Greg, Greg played too, but I was like, I, I like read the news about them and, you know, I'm very, yeah, he, very he, knew what like he, he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> I knew all the players, you know, I, you know, so to speak, you know, but, uh, um, so yeah, it, so it was a nice natural fit and, and a good time. Cool. Um, so I know, um, with Anne, like she, if you're interested in working in the business, she wanted, she wanted you to move to New York. So that was, that was one of the things that I didn't do. So now Greg, did you live in New York before you met Anne or? No, I was, uh, yeah, I was a New Jersey native. I mean, I was still, I was only about 30 minutes outside New York. So it wasn't far, but yeah, she got me shot in my ear about that as well. It's like, you got to be in New York if you want to, you know, really do things here. Um, so through her, she encouraged me to do that. And I wound up um, actually moving in with one of the first people from class that I was in with her. Um, and he and I had rented a part apartment in Brooklyn. Um, and I was, you know, temping for it, like an insurance agency. And then at, it was probably about like six months later where she got me my internship working for Nile. Um, and I then embarked on the like hardest year of my life, which was, you know, basically 18 hour days working in the industry. I'd wake up at like five 30, go to my insurance job um, and then go intern for Nile from like two 30 to almost like 10 o'clock at night. And it was, it was an unpaid internship too. So for like a year, so it was like making next to no money um, living on peanut butter and jelly, literally in oatmeal. <laughs> and it was just a great experience, but she, yeah, she got me encouraged in there. And, and I really, you know, I'm happy because living in New York was a great experience. So, um, when when was that like roughly what year was that? um i would say that was 2006 um i only know that for a fact because it was about a year later after working that internship where i kind of get got my quote unquote break in the industry um it was nile was putting on a, a new brand new music event out in the hamptons for the summer with like tom petty prince you know uh Dave Matthews, you know, some really big acts. Um, and they needed like an office assistant to come work out for the summer. Um, and it just happened to be at the same time that like I got offered a full-time position at my insurance company that would have raised my salary from probably what it was like a few hundred bucks a week to like a $70,000 thing. I'm just like, Oh my God, money. And I'm just like, Oh, or I can go out there and take this temporary gig and, and lose my job and have to move home with my mom. And that's what I wound up doing. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, it was, it was a, really big part of my career shift. Cause I, when I went out there as an office assistant, after the first week, there was a major error in the travel for Prince's band and the production coordinator got fired. And I went up um, because I had no one else around taking over his job. And that got me my full-time position working for Nile. Cause I was able to kind of step in and, and do that job for four weeks. So yeah, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right place, right time, right. You were prepared yeah. or as much as you could be prepared at the time. Yeah. Um, so, um, so around 2006, um, so the music industry is kind of shifting, right. Yeah. Um, from, from the old paradigm to, to a newer one that's kind of unknown. Right. So what was that like? I mean, were you, you were working with Niles, Nile Rogers and did it, um, what was that? Was, was he like onto that or were they still? Like cemented oh, yeah. in the old old school. Oh, I would say his label was cemented in the old school, but Niall is always someone that is pushing boundaries is and he's on to the next thing just as the, the, the old things becoming cool and popular. I always kind of look at that because he's always I always kind of felt like his career after learning more about him, he was always on trying new things. Um, and that's one of the reasons why his label was doing game soundtracks. Like no one, no other label in the world not only oh, okay. did it but like specialized in just doing video game soundtracks. Um, so yeah, after my time working um, for that event, I wound up getting a job over with him for full time. But part of that deal was that I went to go work for his label. Um, and it was just at the transition of like digital music becoming a thing um, more or less. And uh, he, he besides like, I think iTunes and Amazon, like he actually had a digital music store for his label. Um, so when I went over there and learned about, you know, the game soundtracks aspect of it, um, one of my first questions after a few months, which is kind of doing office work was you guys like, I don't know, sell music digitally. And they're like that. 
no, you have the physical thing. We do a couple of things in that, but it's really kind of just like, you know, is that that kind of stuff is not going to catch on. And I'm like, would you mind if I just explore looking into that? Maybe it might be helpful. So I wound up, you know, doing that. And at that, at that point in time, like their physical sales were like 90% of what they did. Um, but within two years, like the digital overtook that easily because obviously digital music exploded. And that's how I really got solidified working there was I, I just kind of happened to be again at the right place at the right time. Cool. Yeah, that that's really interesting. Um to like be like you know um deep into a label like that and experience that versus the being a songwriter and experiencing it. You know. Yeah. So that's you you have like um you know the hooks are really deep in that, you know. So that had to be um you know uh, eye opening you know, for the, for the label. And right. I mean, yeah. Like I said like two years later, boom, you know, we were, it was, boom. I mean, the, the president of the Miles label um, ran like, you know, Warner Brothers sales for like, you know, 30 years. So like he was very old school label um, record label in sales. And so like, you know, like when I kind of mentioned that to him again, like he said, like, go for it. If you want to give that, that stuff a try, but like, it was really a pivotal moment, I think for the label, because they would have been really behind the times if they didn't do it. And there was no one else at that label, you know, it's mostly like TJ said, like old guard people that have been in the industry for years, no one that had the tech savvy to figure it out. And to be honest, no one taught me how to do it. Like I had to figure it out and teach myself, like, how do you upload to iTunes? How do you actually make these connections? So it was like, I had to teach myself digital distribution at a time when you know, it was really kind of like a new thing. And there weren't the services there are today that distributed stuff everywhere under the sun. It was really old school um, and really at its infancy stages. So, you know, I always kind of joke about the fact with our musicians that we work with it. Like I was there when digital music bloomed. And I, <laughs> and I and feel you can't just, you can't just YouTube how to do it, you know, like YouTube wasn't <laughs> even a thing. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was wild, but like really learning, you know, I feel like, you know, almost like a historian. Cause I really remember the early days of like distributing music digitally and it was not pretty. Um, it was really hard and like working with the original companies, a lot of which aren't even around anymore. Um, to like actually get distribution done was, was tough. Um, but like, you know, it also helped me in my later career. Cause like, I really understand it on a level that most people don't because it's like, being around when the wheel was invented. It's just, you get, you get to know how things roll. <laughs> well, I, wow. I started, um, I started getting back into right. around 2000, somewhere around 2006 or maybe a little bit before could have been yeah. a little earlier, but I had dropped it for a long time um, to raise my family and, and just dove in. And I'm like, well, I can always go back to music anytime I want. And, yeah. you know, I knew Anne and Anne had connections and stuff. So, um, you know, that was the old way, right? So, you know, it was hard to get in as a songwriter or present your songs or get yeah. in the industry. Not, I mean, not that it's not hard today, but I mean, it was different then. Um, it was like networking, right? More so. Um, and still networking has evolved today. So don't, I'm not trying to say that networking is not valid today. It's obviously just as important, but it's done differently. It can be done differently. But um, what was my point? My point was I mentioned to one of my sons, my oldest son, who was in high school by this point or maybe junior high. And um, I said, well, I'm, you know, going to start songwriting again and, you know, work on some of my, get some of my old stuff recorded and this and that. And he's like, oh, he goes, well, nobody buys music anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, everybody's, everybody gets, streams it for free. So, and I had heard about Napster, but I, I may, may have had an account. I don't remember early on, um, but it was because of him that I even looked into it. And um, I didn't really get into streaming until about 2008, 2007, 2008, um, where I was actually, you know, listening to um, my like playlists of, of my own at that time. And, um, so yeah, I mean, my son was telling me people are I'm like, well, you can't you can't get music for free. Like you can't do that. Like that's illegal. He's like, oh no, you know, it's it's everybody does it. And then they're and then they're sending each share file sharing. And you know, of course he was on the video game, they were doing the video games. 
So it was like, ding, 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 ding. You know, I'm like, oh, something's happening here and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't think it's good for me musically. So, um, so yeah, so, um, so that happened and you guys are, you, you guys are like right there, right? You were, it was hard, yeah. I remember, I mean, early part of my career doing digital distribution was sending out infringement claims. I swear, like I used to send out infringement claims every other day. I usually had, that used to be a big bulk of my work because so many people were just taking music and it was like, this is how we earn our living. Our partners earn their living. Um, and so it was, it was pretty, it was pretty serious at the time. Um, and it was, you know, it was just, it was everywhere. I mean, it really was. Um, how about you, TJ? What was what were you doing? What was it? Like My relationship with, with Napster? <laughs> <laughs> you started Napster, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I didn't start it, but I was definitely in your son's, uh, you know, like, okay. like area where I was just yeah. downloading like crazy. It was just, you know, I, I guess it was high school or maybe even earlier. And yeah, we were just going crazy. Just, you know, learn, you know, just, blowing up our musical education, being able to have access to every artist you even had an inkling about wanted to, you know, any kind of curiosity about. Um, so it was great. And like the bands I listened to, you know, it, you know, obviously there was like, everyone was getting hurt in the music industry in the traditional sense, you know, with, uh, with the way the money was being taken out of their pockets. But, but the bands I got into that were like raising at the time credit, napster with their entire career like I, I liked in high school i was very into like guster and dispatch and these kind of just like low-key acoustic guys that just toured and you know toured colleges and stuff and and they just blew up because of just the free distribution essentially and the free marketing yeah. for them because kids were just you know telling their friends to check this out and then they they had a good touring thing and a good like kind of um boots on the ground like street team kind of thing that that they actually just used that and 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 kind of like uh catapulted their relate their 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 careers um and their audience so you know as 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 bad and disruptive as that was for kind of music and you know and i see how the ills of it now we're coming from the business angle um but but it was kind of interesting to see bands kind of leverage it um to their to their own success rather than and and it kind of like translates today there's certain things that you know if you, or even like now that now the hot topic is like ai you know and artists are up in arms that like ai is taking away their work and you know how is this going to work out but it's like you just need to learn to leverage it you know you you need to stop complaining and get on board because it's coming the train's coming you know so um it, it is interesting to see like these big disruptive moments like and how how to use them and use their momentum to your to your own benefit yeah well i think originally it was good for indies or more you know catered to indies because um the big dogs weren't in it yet right they were ignoring it or try to trying to ignore it or like you said like fending you know fighting off these um these ripoffs and uh trying to collect their money um without you know embracing it right so eventually they had to come around so now it's you know um what is it like sixty thousand songs per day that are released on spotify yeah, yeah. Like that. um so now everybody's on it and you know today everybody writes songs because um well because of you mentioned youtube i mean there's different ways of learning there's there's a lot of a lot of um computerized tools that are available that you can just well if you look at um, hip hop or rap, um, like I think, uh, what is it like? Um, what's the um, Ableton? Yeah, Ableton is one of the. Well, from what I see, I mean, it's one of the favorites of uh, some people who who want to use like sampling, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of sample. I mean, samples were used in the '80s, basically '80s, '90s but it's done differently today, right? Because it's computerized and it's rampant. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, my point being that, um, you know, there's so many people trying to do something, trying to, you know, get songs recorded and get them out. And so um, anyway, but now, so TJ, I was asking like, what, like, where were you? Were you in the label at like 2006, 2007 or, uh, no, I graduated college in in two, 2008. 
So okay. I, I, I remember correctly, I don't think I was at the label till maybe 2012. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so streaming yeah. was like really taking hold. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Although I do remember when I, when I, when I went over there and, and, you know, Greg was catching me up on how to distribute all, all the albums and that kind of thing. I remember thinking that Niall's site, you know, something.com was the, the actual site where they, that they had their own digital, as Greg had mentioned before, they had their own digital site. And like, that was pretty, even that late was like pretty rare. You know, you had iTunes. Yeah. And yeah. iTunes. I, I'm, I'm blanking on exactly like what was out at that, at, at that year. But, I, but I remember Absolutely. that that was pretty unheard of to have your own private digital, you know, digital download store, you know, obviously you could put downloads up and that kind of thing, but to have the infrastructure to sell it and all that kind of thing was, was pretty remarkable. I, I remember thinking at the time. Um, so yeah, that was, so I was a little after that kind of um, situation after Greg had kind of laid the foundation of uh the digital, you know, um, distribution network. So you, you both are, you work in, um, music work with music for gaming, right? Is that your main thing right now? Um, it's, it's 50, 50 at this point in time. So yeah, we, after Niall wound up closing his label, um, in 2018, um, we launched our own label skill tree records, which was essentially the continuation of that label. Um, we left with a lot of the partners, um, there and continued that work because, you know, TJ and I had spent our, our entire careers essentially, um, helping to build up and develop the video game soundtrack genre as a whole. Um, so it was a natural progression for us to move forward. Um, but by that point in time too, we were already working on our, our other business that we were interested in, which was musician indie coalition, which, um, focuses on helping independent musicians kind of navigate the waters when it comes to developing a career from the business point of view. Um, so we were already kind of doing um, that for, I, I would say, a year or two, just as, uh, you know, donating our time to our musicians and friends um, before we wind up launching our label. But yeah, Game Soundtracks is kind of like our, you know, claim to fame, I guess, initially. <laughs> like this is, that's, that's where we really spent the most amount of time. And like, you know, no one has done Game Soundtracks longer in this world, literally for sales-wise, than myself and TJ. Like we've been doing it forever. Um, so, you know, it is kind of our main thing. But I think our passion nowadays is really more working with artists because it's just, we feel like it's, it means more to help a musician find their recipe for success than, you know, you know, just working for gigantic companies that have, you know, gigantic budgets and music sales are kind of an afterthought for them. So you work, you did something for Prince. You worked on this um, touring travel. Schedule. Yeah. So when Niall, when Niall had this, so essentially what it was called was the Hampton social. Um, and it was, it was a partnership with, I believe Warner brothers music to create um, a series of high end um, rock and roll shows um, with, you know, for, for like the super rich. So like tickets were like $3,000 a ticket or something crazy, but like Prince was part of the the first acts that were in that in addition to, again, said like Dave Matthews and uh, James Taylor and Tom Petty um, and Billy Joel. Those are the first five people. And it was held out in the Hamptons and it was like, you know, people are sitting on luxury couches, gourmet foods being piloted in, you know, so it was a unique experience to say the least. Um, and it was, it was kind of like a one-off thing. They were planning on doing a series, but it just wasn't um, profitable in the way they had hoped it would was. So they stopped doing it after the first one. Um, so, I mean, um, did you get into like A&R, the A&R side, you were working with the label. Did you get into artists? Um, what did you, did you do anything with artists directly? Um, we did a little bit. Uh, yeah. So like we would, TJ and I would field any like requests to come in for distribution. So we would like kind of field all those, those things. And that's kind of a lot how we heard, you know, and encountered and interacted with musicians that were coming up. Um, but really what we primarily worked with was the game soundtrack like field. And we worked a lot with the composers on that side. So that yes, musicians, but more songwriters, because they were at that point in time, game composers um, were really still like not being treated as on the same level as let's say TV or movie composers. It was kind of like they were almost like third-class citizens and not giving the respect, you know, because they worked in like game soundtracks versus movies, even though the music was in my opinion, more complicated and more, um, 
pro produced in a way that was of excellence that I, I, I heard in movie soundtracks. Um, and it was just the work they did is really amazing. Um, and game soundtrack composers are, you know, kind of above the rest, in my opinion, at the time, maybe I'm biased, but like, you know, they were really working hard. So we spent a lot of time working with them and helping them um, to kind of get the recognition they deserve for their work. Well, I met someone who had placements in for these game um, for games for gaming. And um, I don't know. I kind of lost touch with him. This was about 2010. So um, I don't know what kind of, I don't even know what kind of music he did. I think I listened to some of his music, but it was different than what I was doing. So um, that, that was the first I heard that someone actually was, you know, sending music and get, and that, that it was being used in games, you know, but, um, I'm, I'm not really a gamer, so it didn't really, didn't really pique my interest. Um, yeah. As like some, like a passion for me, like something, you know, but I, you know, obviously I've heard, I played a lot of games. So, I mean, I've heard a lot of soundtracks and some of them are pretty cool. Um, but, um, so, um, so Greg, I didn't ask like, what kind of instrument, what instruments do you play? Oh, um, I play guitar, um, and I sing, um, but primarily I would consider I've over time, I kind of consider myself more songwriter than, than artist. Um, that was the part of the creative process that I enjoyed more versus, you know, actually getting out there and performing. Yeah. Um, well, that's kind of where I was going, like in the early two thousands, I was like, well, I'm getting older. So, um, and I'm not sure that I want to, you know, run around for gig after gig. So yeah. I just want to get into songwriting. But like I said, like by the time I really um, started to pursue that, um, like I said, my kids were getting older. And um, so I was doing a little less running around because they were running around themselves and then they started driving and this and that. So, um, you know, I found that a little more time, but um, I, you know, I realized I was like, wow, you know, I don't know how this is going to work. So, I mean, like, what would you, what's, um, how, how do you help artists? I mean, what's like, um, so you be maybe a young songwriter and maybe, maybe they haven't gigged a lot. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of exposure, but they have, you know, five, 10 songs that they wrote. They want to work on original music. They want to have a career. Um, how do you go about that? How would you structure that? Like what, what's some of your advice for somebody like that? Yeah, absolutely. So without, without uh, giving too much away for free, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I find that we can tell everyone in detail what we do and there's always room to help every musician. But overall, I mean, I think the first place we really start is, is educating them on what it is they're actually doing. Um, and if you are deciding that you want to pursue music as a profession, um, you're starting a business for yourself. Your business just happens to be your music um, and the things that are related to that. Um, and the second thing that we do is we explain to them that historically speaking, you know, the industry has been like, you know, you go, you create music, you connect with the right person. And through that, you eventually get your career. And obviously networking and stuff is important, but you know, it's what kind of what we call it, the getting discovered mindset. And we try to squash that as quickly as possible. Cause it's like, that's not the way the industry you know works today. Um, so what we really, where we really start off with them is, is explaining to them like their job isn't to just create great music it's to create great music and to learn about who they are as an artist and what would make them happy and to develop a business incorporating those things and as they're going through that process learning about who their audience is and adapting their career to fit that um, at the end of the day to really be successful um, we found that it's important for you know, musicians to not only learn the business side of their career as well as music, but to really kind of learn the skills that it takes to be an entrepreneur. Um, because there's a big difference between managing a successful career versus creating a successful career. And TJ and I learned that the hard way. Um, like when we worked at the label, we managed a successful business. And, you know, with our label, we still manage a successful business. But when we launched Musician Indie Coalition, we knew we didn't know anything about creating a business. And so we had to really learn the process for doing that. Um, and through working with a business coach, um, they taught us the fact that like, you got to learn about your customer and find out what they're interested in, what their needs are, and then, you know, develop your business to fit those needs. And that's what we did. Like we started working with musicians one-on-one -on -one and we learned about what they're in, 
what their needs were. Like we had a ton of business experience, but we needed to learn about what their needs were. And that's kind of the program that we've developed over time, working with our artists in a place where like we can really help them. Um, and not just from a cookie cutter standpoint, but their uniqueness and figuring out how to actually help them create a career that fits their needs and their interests. Okay. Um, Does that make sense? Did I say, did I say it right? yeah. <laughs> uh, TJ, you have anything to add to that or? Um, well, I mean, and as he's saying, that's th those those lessons we learned along the way are very transferable. So a lot of that um, kind of um, a lot of the things we learned about making a business are directly in our program, because, you know, as he said, you're building a business. You need to be a lot of it's just very pragmatic. It's just very like reminding you to keep track of the expenses coming in, you know, the expenses going out, the the revenue coming in. Um, just like the things that you need to do to keep yourself organized, the, the, the goals that you need to have to kind of, uh, keep yourself on track and not lose sight. You know, a lot of people are in this cycle of like, I play a show and then, uh, you know, I, I, I ride that high after that. And then, oh, but I'm writing music and then I'm going to record an album and then I play another show, but there's no, there's no, um, kind of coherence to it. You know, there's no forward momentum, you know, you just kind of on a gerbil wheel. So we we try to kind of get you make sure like when you're playing a show, you're collecting email addresses because, you know, you're trying to build your audience. So any show without someone out there with a clipboard is no show at all. You didn't even you might as well not have played that show, you know. So like we kind of just kind of teach them the small things that they could tweak within what they're already doing that will like exponentially grow the the career they're trying to make and that kind of thing so it's it's nothing you know like completely world shifting but it will you will you will yeah. find yourself in a much better place if you kind of put these things into practice yeah i i think the thing that really kind of sets us apart from other people that do what we do in our field is like we really kind of broken it down into a step-by-step -step process that you can follow um that works for everybody um and it starts off by just like any other business like creating a plan like creating a business plan for yourself you know this is who i am as an artist this is who my customers are. This is how I'm going to connect with them. This is how I'm going to grow my audience. Um, these are the people I need to work with to, you know, get my music to these people. Um, and these are the experiences I'm going to provide to them. And then, you know, really working with them to set clear goals and get set up for success so that as they go to work and they go to do things like, you know, play shows, like TJ was saying, that they're capturing all their success instead of just, you know, doing things and then realizing, oh man, I should have done this or, oh, I, I should have had an EPK ready. I'm not ready to take on press. So a lot of the stuff that we just found were, were just, you know, by going through with the artists that we were working with, found like, hey, you know, these are our problems. Even something as simple as, you know, I don't feel motivated to work. Like, how do I get past that? Or how do I build an emotional connection with my audience? So like, they not only attend my shows, but they actually care and support us. So all these things were, were problems that we had to really look into and solve. Um, and we have, and like, it's, it's really satisfying to be able to kind of share those things because it's been, a, you know, at first when we were doing this, we would always run into problems that were like, okay, let's figure that out. And now we're at the point where it's been a really long time since anyone says the problem that we just don't have at least two or three solutions for. Like, this is how you can get over these things. Pick the one that feels most true to you. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, even though we can kind of map that out, it's still figuring out your unique recipe for success, which involves, again, pretty much all the things that you love doing and all the things that your audience loves and then where those kind of things overlap. Well, I, I find, um... I tend to get very stressed out <laughs> trying to, you know, I'm, I'm that hamster running, running on that, uh, yeah. that hamster wheel. Um, and, um, so, but there's each, there's like 10 hamster wheels, right? So you're juggling things like, um, well, like one of my goals right now is I, I need to get some of my guitar playing back. Um, that, that, um, I've kind of neglected, but then, you know, since I've been sick, since I got sick, I couldn't even, I couldn't play at all for, for quite a while or very little. So anyway, so I'm, I started addressing that lately because I want to do some, um, so this, this will address, like, I wanted to do some things on YouTube. So I want to do some videos on YouTube, right? So this, this is just follow me because I'm going in, I'm, I'm dipping into this, um, big, big subject here. Um, so, um, I, 
so that's like one thing. So as an artist and I'm a singer too, and, and a songwriter and I play acoustic. So, um, you know, I'm into the rhythm, the rhythm side, the rhythm, rhythm guitar, um, trying to, you know, well, I think I've been focused on that for maybe 10 years, um, where I'm going out solo and I need to deliver, you know, a better, um, presence on the guitar and make it more enjoyable. So I've been working things out, out like that for about 10 years, but now I'm like, well, I've neglected my, um, guitar, my, um, lead guitar, um, um, chops and things like that. So, um, trying to get back into that. So where, where, where am I going with this? So you need to nurture and maintain your artist artistry. So what does that mean? So if you're a guitarist, you got to work on your guitar. If you want to do some piano, you need to work on piano. Or if you want to work on theory, sometimes you're, or arrangements, maybe you get to a keyboard uh, or synthesizer or MIDI, you know, for your recordings. Um, and then maybe you're a vocalist. So you need to work on your, got to keep your vocal chops up. You got to stay healthy. Uh, my, my biggest problem with uh, being a vocalist is my health. So sinus and all that stuff. Um, so that's one thing, right? So you start adding up hours per day. It's a lot, right? Just for that. Yeah. I just talk, name like three things um, for the artist side. And now, now you're songwriting. So you gotta, you gotta write some songs. You gotta keep nurturing that. Um, but in the meantime, you got a gig coming up. So now you got to promote. So now you're on social media. You you have to hit, you know, maybe Facebook. I, um, I prefer Instagram, but I do both. And then maybe I do a little LinkedIn. Um, now you want your YouTube channel with your, maybe your latest video. If you're doing YouTube, um, or just putting out some, you have video, you have to put up videos, um, of things that are already completed. So songs, <laughs> recording, not even to mention recording, right? Um, so you have all this going on. You want to get people to your show. So now you have email lists. Um, again, you have the social media event, uh, that you want to send out. Um, and so, so let's say maybe you want to, um, so one of the things right now, right, is one of the available tools for an artist now is instead of radio play, working towards a sync placement, right? So that that's the way I see it. I mean, I, uh, I've been working on some music I'm trying to present to, I had a near miss with a song a couple of years ago for an advertisement. Um, um, the, the music supervisor really liked it, but you know, the customer was looking for something else and they ended up using a song from the eighties for that, for that commercial. But, um, like an established band, you know, big, big time eighties band. But, um, so, um, I mean, so that's my take on it. It's like, you know, I'm working, so I'm doing all these, you know, things and trying to, it's a, it's a heavy lift, isn't it? I mean, I mean yeah, it's one of the reasons why we started doing what we're doing. Cause it's like, you know, if you have between the music, a personal life and a day job, like how do you spend time actually now? Now I have to do all the business stuff on top of it as well. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, but like speaking as someone that has a part, I have a business partner and we run two, two companies. We run them by the, we run them by ourselves. Um, there is a solution to everything. Um, and yeah, like a lot of times that we are working with musicians, the first thing is like, question we get is I don't have time to do everything. There are so many different things to do. And if you look at your career as I, you know, uh, uh, in, in the sense of like this in a perfect world, these are all the things I need to do to be successful. And I need to do them all at once. You're sunk before you start. So we really, what we focus in on is kind of breaking each thing down and learning how to do each part of your career well. And then like, if basically, I always say, learn how to do it, which takes the most amount of time, then learn how to do it well, and then learn how to do it fast. And, you know, what I've come to find is that, you know, when it comes to things like social media, creating social media, doing things like YouTube, doing things like a release, the first time through, it takes the longest because you're learning how to do it. But then after you learn how to do it and you repeat the process, there are ways that you can go through that that are more efficient and ways that you can almost even automate the process. Um, and by looking at it and deconstructing things and kind of figuring out the fastest way to do. And I even go sometimes as far as telling our, our members to like write down the steps as you're doing them that you found was the best. 
And then next time you do it, you don't have to relearn the process again. You just read your notes and follow what you did. Um, you actually can save a lot of time. You know, even when we break down things like social media um, for musicians, because they're, they're always having a hard time. Like, how do I post all these things? Take out three months, lock out the messaging. And then if you have releases coming on, you can always add in day of stuff. But you want to create content for yourself and automate the process to some extent so that you don't have to do all the work at one time. It's like, you know, if you were going to create an album and you need to sit down and write all the songs at once, that's labor intensive. But if you are always writing right along and then all of a sudden you want to do a release and you're just picking from the catalog of stuff that you haven't released yet, it's much easier. Same premise. But it is, I just find about being extremely organized and understanding the fact that as you're developing your business, you're going to look bad in some areas that you can't get to. Um, you're going to focus on maybe on, you know, doing a release, but maybe you're not going to do the YouTube video, or maybe on this release, you're going to do it and not reach out the press. It's not about being perfect in our minds. It's about experimenting and learning what makes you successful. And then as you really get a handle on doing that well, and again, automating that process so it's it's easier, like a routine, then you can add something else. And then again, and you keep repeating that process. Of course, at some point in time, you'll hit a point where it's just like, I can't do any more than I'm doing right now. And all these things are necessary. That's the point where you have to look at like, maybe bringing on a team member or some of the volunteer to help or um, outsourcing it to a service um, or, you know, maybe bringing on a band member to work with. Um, so there are always kind of tips and tricks that you can kind of use to get around it, but it is, it is a balancing act, you know, until you have the, the finances that kind of, you know, again, yeah. reliability. the other thing we would look at is like just kind of priority of those things and like, which are serve you and which aren't, you know, there are certain things that musicians do that they think they should do because other, they see other people doing it, but really it's not progressing their career forward in any meaningful way. Um, so like we would look at all the activities that someone's doing and say, Hey, you know, what, what's your goal with this? Like, what are you trying to accomplish with that? And they're like, Oh, I just want to get more followers or some, you know, and it's just like, you know, ease off on that for now. And, 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 you know, do this house show where you can charge $20 a head and make some money here and now, you know, like there's certain things, um, that kind of can fall by the wayside sometimes and you can come back to it or you can just realize it's just not part of your business plan. You know, it's not that, that service or that you know, that goal that you thought you needed um, is kind of not necessary. So we, so in all the ways we make everything more efficient, we also kind of, and, you know, try to encourage people like if you're a band, kind of identify who's going to do what and kind of get the assembly line going. Um, but but then, um, yeah, like it, what what can you just, what, what fat can we cut here? You know, that kind of yeah. thing too. I mean, I think what helped us early on and when we started doing this, we had, we worked with a member that said, I have six hours in my schedule to do music. How do I build a career doing that? And it's like, give us a minute. We <laughs> need some time to think about that. And like looking at his schedule, like he really did. He was like, you know, full-time school, full-time job, you know, family. Like he just didn't have time. He had six hours and we're just like, okay, here you go. You're going to do a live stream show and you're going to record that event. You're, and then you're going to take that thing and chop up these, the thing to make song, you know, songs that, download the audio. You can chop and make social media posts from that. And we like blocked out a bunch of different things. And during that show, you can sell merchandise here and do whatever. So during a six hour thing, you have like, a, maybe you're putting on an hour show and then you have five hours to kind of do all the content, schedule it to go out. And it worked for them. You know, it was like, it was, you know, not ideal, but like, you know, if you want to can still continue pursuing a music career as he was going through like grad school, that was the option. So I think there's always a way to do it. And I find the busier I am, the more focused I get. So, you know, I think there's always a solution to every problem. When I, when I stopped performing, um, I've been studying with Ann, Ann Rucker in New York. And, um, I probably, you know, I was starting up a family, et cetera, et cetera. And just got to the point where, you know, I had had it with bands. Um, I had my last band. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just going acoustic, you know, I'm going solo for a while. And, um, I, I think I went and got a full-time job. So then now I found that it was harder to, <laughs> to pursue music again and raising the two babies, you know, and, um, but, um, you know, my point being that 
um, I, I eventually gave gave up performing altogether. Um, but my the point being that um, I talk to people today, like young people, and uh, they're like, "Oh, you know, I'm raising a family, and I got to quit." I'm like, "No," because you're you know, for somebody that's very talented, I'm like, "No, don't stop altogether." Just if you do it once a month, you get out to a gig, you know, or do open mics, you know, whatever you can do, you know, maintain. Because I had, I had, I had a pretty large um, snail mail e- you know, mailing list back then, and I lost all those people that took me two or three years to put together. Yeah, because they're all moved on, and women changed their name; they're married or, or moved on. Yeah, um, not not even that they would even come out today, but that that they would go out today. But, um, you know, it was like, wow, that was really dumb, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, you know, it was just something, you know, that I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm knocking the door away from getting back into it. And I had opportunities in New York, like for, um, somebody had told me about a gig and, um, musicians union and working weddings and this and that, you know, I could have done that, but I didn't want to do someone else's music. I wanted to focus on my music. Yeah. And um, so even to, to this day, I don't really work on a lot of covers or do a lot of cover music. If, if at all, um, I find a lot of people, you know, if you're a musician, like I was, you know, a while ago, I'm not going to say how many years, but a number of years ago, um, you know, I was out, I was teaching music and I was, you know, private lessons and I was gigging, you know, to, to try and make ends meet. And, um, so I still, you know, people still do that today. You know, they go out, they do their cover gigs, they make money, but I feel like, you know, they get stuck in that routine and now they're not working on their songwriting, which they're definitely not, um, as much as they could. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have a full-time job or, you know, I guess you're still playing music if you're doing covers, but, um, so, you know, there's different ways to do it. I'm not bashing that. But um, it's just something I tend to, tend not to want to do. Um, so, you know, I, I'm I'm in a lot of different groups, networking groups, like sync groups and musician groups, and where they have these webinars and meetings and sessions. They'll bring in um, A and R, or they'll bring in um, uh, sync agencies, you know, to talk and give us advice and. Um, and it's so weird because it's not weird, but I mean, you know, one person is definitely dead on social media. The next person will be like, well, you know, don't kill yourself with social media, do this, you know? Um, and so you get these, you know, contradictory or seemingly contradictory. They may not be that far apart, but, um, somebody will weigh in heavily on one thing and then turn around and. And, and then talk about and then someone else will talk about doing, doing it, doing it another way. So I have a, a friend who was A&R for a major label and um, she has a, she's heavily into social media. Now she advises people on social media and, and I think they offer, I think her company offers other services too, but the main thrust is like helping you create a presence and um, find your, fan base, you know, through social media. So she's have, you know, heavily on that. So she says, um, do this for one year, you know, and you're, you know, you'll find your fan base. And, um, then someone else's, what was her thing? Oh, someone else was like, um, this was like, uh, someone in a, she works for a record label, um, or has worked for major record labels. So she was into, I guess the A&R side or she was talking about distribution and stuff like that, but her advice was do releases, do your releases and then follow that. That's your, like you're kind of hitting on that uh, earlier when you were talking. Um, so you really want to like promote your music, right? So first you have to have the music yeah. you have to do your release and you you build up to the release and then you follow. And then her thing was you never stop. Once you start, you'd never stop. That's part of it. Now you have things to talk about with social media and yes, do your social media, but that wasn't the most important thing. And then you kind of hit on this too. You were like, you know, 
take care of your artistry, you know, work on your songs. So, um, so that's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm working on songs for release and that's when I'll actually get started again. And cause I feel like I, there's nothing for me to talk about, you know, I mean, yes, I do it a gig here, do, do the events, but, um, I don't even, I'm not even really releasing any music at this time. So, um, I thought that this guitar thing, I would probably do some guitar work and, you know, put that on YouTube and then do my other stuff, do my songs and my artist, my real artist songwriting, um, singer songwriter stuff, um, do that with my releases. So, um, so I think, you know, I, I have, I am in your group, <laughs> your mic group, and I really appreciate you guys doing that. Um, so I will be taking more advantage of that in the, in the near future, I hope. And, um, so, um, with that said, I mean, that was a lot, but, um, so that's kind of what you do, right? You help people. So you talk to me and maybe you would say, um, you did tell me something last year, but, um, I think I changed, um, because the other thing I was doing was with this sync, um, the sync, um, idea, you know, of, of, um, trying to get a placement, working for a placement in, in a movie or a TV show. Um, I was kind of like changing like what I was doing. So I'm like kind of going for what's popular and what works. And then I'm trying to mimic that. And then after, after about six months, I was like, you know what? I, I can't really do that. You know, I have to do what I, I have to do myself. Yeah. And, um, and then maybe, um, you know, um, not change, but, um, offer something along those lines of what's, you know, what, what everyone, not everyone, but I mean, like not all music is the same. So, so here's, here's one thing. So I don't play, I don't do classic rock, but I mean, I was around for some of the classic rock <laughs> growing up. So, um, some people will be like, Oh, you can't do eighties music because there were better bands and the people, you know, the, the uh, big bands from the eighties, eighties bands, you know, people are going to choose that before they choose your music. So then what do I hear? I'm watching a TV show or a movie or something. And what do I hear? I hear some unknown or unknown to me artist doing an eighties type song. And I'm like, these, yeah. you know, so it's like, um, and then there are other things like that. So there's all these things that people say, don't do something. And then I'll hear it you know, this commercial right. for like 10 months <laughs> spinning yeah. the same song or the same band. And it's like, wow, they're making some, they're making some change on that, you know? So it was like, you know, and now, and somebody said not to do it that way. So I, I think what I did was like, I'm, I kind of come coming from the perspective of, you know, do you right. That's all I can do. Right. I, I mean, that's, that's kind of the perspective we take. I mean, listen, I think the hardest part about developing a music career is when you go online to search for advice, there is an infinite amount of it and it all contradicts each other. Um, and the, th the reason why that's is, is because they're, they are all right and they are so are all wrong. Um, and it's because you can find success in this industry in a lot of different ways. Um, and what, but what might work for one person isn't going to necessarily work for you. And that's where we kind of talk about that unique recipe for success aspect. It's like, you know, if you had a calling to do that 80s rock thing and you move forward with it and it worked for you, well, no one can tell you that you were wrong. Um, I mean, it's about you going out there pursuing what you love and what you're passionate about and what you're into. and trying to make that successful and connecting with people that are also into it. Um, and I think the key thing here is to like, if you really understand yourself and what makes you happy, I guarantee you there are other people out there that feel the same way because they're into the same things. It's just finding those people, learning how to connect with them and then delivering that experience to them. Um, so yeah, I would never say to anyone, don't do this or definitely do this. I always say, and he always says, experiment, learn. See, that's why it's so important to get out there and do that for because um, you have to figure out what works for you. And like, you know, again, I think everyone out there that works in the industry is just doing their best to sh share their experience and tell you what their, you know, past has told them about how to be successful. And again, that worked for whatever situation that they were in, I'm sure. 
but that doesn't mean that it necessarily applies to you. And it doesn't mean that you should do that. Yeah. I look at, I look at advice like that. Like, uh, like when it's in the same way, when like I say, I'm going to, to someplace on vacation and all my friends are like, Oh, you have to do this. <laughs> and then I do that and it's fine, it, but it's just what they did. You know what I mean? It's not like it's the best thing and they did all this research and they found it's just what they did, you know, yeah. and it, and they had fun there. You know what I mean? So it, it just, I mean, you got to let advice roll off you like that. I mean, it's, 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 it's good to listen to it. So, you know, you know, and, yeah. and check it out as Greg is saying, you, you should try it all, you know, and see what you like, but not see what's successful because finding what's successful is going to take a long time see what you like first. And if, and if it kind of gives you energy, it fills your cup and you're like, I like doing that. And I like connecting with people in that way, then that's going to become part of your business and, and will help you kind of get it there, you know, but like, yeah. but like your career, if you laid it out, it would look very different from anyone else's. And it'd be very, it would, and, and to these people that are giving you this advice, it'd be very surprising to them that, that you, you found success that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I always, um, look at the perspective of my music of the music the music that I write. So I am, I'm, I'm actually, when I go out and I perform, I see how people react to certain songs and this and that. And, um, I, you know, I carry that and that help that's helped me mold things. So that's what I do when I go around and perform. I'm not just got to, out to perform. I'm out to present my music, you know, cause I usually do all originals. And, um, so that, you know, that, that's one of the things that keeps you going. But um, on the other side, like you can't really, um, I think you'll agree with me. You can't really look at what someone else is doing and that they're having success with and then say, Oh, I'm not doing this. This is along the same, um, same lines as we were just talking about, but a different look at it. Like, um, Oh, so, so so-and-so got a placement here. You know, and I have, I don't, I have zero placements this month or zero placements this year. Right. I mean, you can't, it's good to have goals, right. But you can't compare, always compare yourself with what's going on. And I think that's another part of that too. Yeah. Right. Um, Cause oh, yeah, I, sure. there's yeah. people that put out all kinds of social media. It's like, I am not capable of doing that and I don't want to do that, but um, you have to do something. Right. So um, do you have time for one more question? Absolutely. One more uh, idea here. So, so I mentioned radio stations, like originally when I first got started, when I was first starting out in music, um, I think I heard about bands who did well on college radio and they, and I can't remember what the band was. It was still in the vinyl days. So um, the, um, the thing was somehow they, had a lot of airplay on college radio and then that built them up. And then they guess they got college gigs to follow it up with and so on and so forth. I don't remember the band. I, I'm sorry about that. But I mean, today, um, so is there any kind of space like that you see, like, um, because a lot of it, there isn't a lot of terrestrial radio anymore. So what would, what would be today's version of that? And I, I did mention one, I mentioned sync, but is there, is there any other Avenue that you see for that? like getting um, your songs played other than Spotify, you know, streaming services? Um, Not played as much as I feel like it's, I feel like live stream shows, like on services like Twitch and whatnot, it's like, again, that's not someone playing your music on your behalf, but I don't feel like one directional music is necessarily the best path for today's aspiring artists. Like putting yourself in a situation where you're performing in front of people and can interact with them is I, I think that next generation of it, because, you know, unlike music from, you know, 20 years ago, where all the creativity and the conversation was one directional from the artist to the fan, it's really become kind of a two directional industry where it's, it's back and forth, even major artists like, you know, Taylor Swift will interact and do things with their fans and talk to them and, and plan events specifically for them. So like, I think, you know, I feel more it's, it's, you know, when, artists talk to us about like, should I be on radio? Should I do that? There's some benefit if you can play around with it and it works for you. But like, I lean more towards going towards that kind of stuff um, where you have the opportunity to be like played and then can interact with people. Even if it was like releasing songs um, that you play through a service like 
Patreon where, you know, maybe you're not even talking to fans, but you're releasing music, but like it's a private community where you can talk to your fans and, and they can share it with other people and invite people to your page. It's, you know, in my opinion, that's kind of more the future um, only because, you know, I think it's more important for aspiring artists today to um, control their connection you know, with their audience. Whereas I feel like 20 years ago was really more about just kind of carpet bombing everywhere. So people heard you um, because you needed to have that amount of people to have a career. But in today's industry, I think to have a full-time career, you know, we kind of, again, focus with our artists on doing more small. Like if you can get a thousand fans that like pay you a hundred bucks a year, you got a full-time career. Like focus on doing that because that's kind of more within your wheelhouse opposed to trying to, you know, really, um, hit all areas and channels. But um, TJ, would you agree with that? Um, yeah. I mean, anytime the goal is to have just to have someone hear your music, it's kind of an empty goal. It's, it's, it's just like, it's just like throwing something up in the air and hoping somebody catches it and then leaving them to do the work of finding you somewhere and, and finding your album on somewhere that they can buy it or finding you on tour so they can go see you. It's, it's you're leaving too much work in the hands of, of, of your potential fan. Um, so we, you know, we talk about like really connecting with fans, interacting with them and, and, and putting yourself out there in kind of an honest and emotional way that they identify with you emotionally. It's not, you know, so, there's so much music out there now. Songs just roll off people. It, it, you know, it's, it's too saturated in that sense. The things that cut through the noise are people and personalities and, you know, branding, you know, of, of an artist like that. That's kind of the the language that you need to develop to connect nowadays and that, and that have inform long-term relationships with, with uh, somebody that will buy every piece of merch you release or go to every show you have in their area. Um, because that's kind of how you can make a career. Otherwise you're just kind of, scatter blasting your you know your music everywhere and hoping and hoping you know like we we yeah. need we we tell artists to take control and and don't leave it to chance you know it's it's a lot of work and it's, there's it's still up to chance but it's not you're not like you're you're not wiping your hands as soon as you've released music you know and just leaving it for other people to do to to do that work and come and find where you they can pay you you know so I, I would focus more on, yeah, just connecting with people, making a like, long-term relationship, bringing them into your world. Yeah. Like when you start the, the conversation today, it's like, you know, networking and personal relationships, you know, that's what we focus in on because I feel like, you know, no one can figure out algorithms and how to manipulate them on Facebook and all that stuff's maddening, but like you can go out there and make a friend and you can invite that friend to a show and sell them your song and they probably will do it because they're your friend and like you can continue that process. And that's what we really encourage because I think that is something that every artist can do and songwriter can do. And, you know, you're only limited by the amount of relationships that you can create and maintain. Um, even if you're songwriting with other people and doing things, it really will expose you to more opportunities that way. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Um, thank you. Now, how about we want to give your, um, your business, your company, uh, promo. <laughs> Again, yeah. So we just want to make sure. How do we find out? It's it's um musicians indie it's musician with no s musician oh. indie coalition dot com. Um, you can check us out there. Uh, we do private coaching. Um, but our main way that we work with musicians is um through an online program that, as you know, you know, also allows you to connect with our private community of artists. Um, and we really um are focused on providing like the most affordable program there is uh, right now. Our programs you can try it for free, and it's only twenty bucks a month after that. Um, again, we're trying to like do something that provides high quality expert advice for musicians at a price that doesn't hurt them, so they can spend money on creating music and the things where the money should go. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a great, a great, um, service for musicians. Um, and, um, you know, I really appreciate you doing that. I mean, there aren't a lot of, um, services like that. I mean, you know, most, most of the time it's, you know, pay to play, so to speak. And before yeah. you even know what you're getting, you have to shell out a lot of money for this or for that. And uh, sometimes it's good. Sometimes, you know, buyer beware, but um, yeah. I can say, you know, like from the discussions we've had and from the advice that you've given um, and uh, your courses, uh, courses that I've, that I've um, looked at, um, it's very good, 
for um, up and coming musicians and um, well, and musicians in general, but especially for um, you know, indie musicians trying to get somewhere. So, all right. Thanks again. We have uh, Greg Ferriola and TJ. I only know TJ. Yeah. TJ <laughs> Peterson. But <laughs> my, my, my zoom thing is on Greg's cause we were sharing a zoom account. <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate you having us on there and, and thank yeah. you. You know, it's, it really means a lot. And we're excited to uh, have had the opportunity to uh, do the show. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. And I hope to see you soon. Yeah, yeah. you too. Great seeing you. Take care. Thank you. Yep. Bye. For more information about Greg and TJ, you can visit MusicianIndieCoalition.com and on social media, Musician Indie Coalition. For more information about Pat Foran, you can look up Pat Foran Music on the web or go to patforanmusic.com. You can find me on Instagram, pat.foreign, and also on Facebook. Thanks for listening to Get Labeled Indie Music Roadmap with Pat Foreign.